This is Agents Influence Podcast. When you talk about insurance as an industry, everyone thinks of insurance as a policy, an insurance policy. They don't understand that it's really about managing risk. The industry is about analyzing and managing risk, both for businesses and for people. You need to understand so many different coverages. It's quite a sophisticated business, but it's not presented that way. So the language needs to change and how we talk about insurance needs to change. It's more about managing risk. I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently. Change your agency. Change your finances. Change your family. And in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hey, 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 loyal listeners. Welcome to Agents Influence Podcast, conversations with who? Jason Cass, that's me. And today I am here with uh, someone that um, is special to me. I think uh, I have not spoke with her in a long, long time. Um, But uh, when I reached out to her, you guys may have seen it, obviously, when you hit play. and You may not know who Sharon Emick is, but I definitely know you probably know of some of her companies that she's had. You know of a lot of people that she hangs out with. Sharon, you're just not somebody who's out on social media a lot. You know what I mean? So I think that you're kind of a behind the scenes player. Um, even though you are a major player in the insurance industry. And we're going to get on to that in a minute. But okay. before we do, before we do um, I want to just say to everybody out there to check out wegotyourpodcast.com. Check out wegotyourpodcast.com. And what wegotyourpodcast.com is, is helps you build authority in the podcast arena. Uh, we now have two more shows that have joined us. We're up to 13 shows now of independent insurance agents who are out there creating podcasts for their industry, for their niche that they serve, and by creating authority. Um, I was talking with um, Mike Fusco. Mike Fusco is out of um, California, and he does team business. And what was amazing is he's told me he's only had like six guests on his podcast, and two of the guests were guests that he has been trying to get into those um, uh, into those businesses for the last three years. Now, keep in mind, Mike has about a $3 million revenue agency, so this isn't a little guy. But he's been trying to get at these two specific clients who are whales. He got them onto his podcast. He is now talking to them about their insurance. He has built authority to the person that they had been with for 20-some years that he could not get them away from by creating a podcast and helping his community, the business owner said, hey, that guy is more than just an insurance agent. He built authority in that niche. Um, when you know the revenue of these two size accounts, which easily clear over 100,000 in revenue, and then you think about the time and the money he spent on his podcast, it's the greatest It's the greatest investment that you can take. So check it out. We got your podcast. All he does is record and we do everything else for him. We got your podcast. Check it out. Miss Sharon Emick, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I am really doing good. Um, I want to just kind of let everybody know before we get into it, Sharon and I have a um, a love affair from the past um, back in, let's see, I mean, I, Sharon, I don't think you and I have talked since probably 2013, 2014. Um, it's, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. It has. Um, and how I met with, uh, with Sharon is she is one of, I, I guess the best way to say it is founder or co-founder of, of Wave, which is work at 
home vintage employees. Experts. It's experts. experts. Do I always I always say employees, don't I? I know. I always say that. It's experts. It's experts. Work at home vintage experts. I always say employees. Anyways, um, when I say it a, a year from now, I'll say employees again. Experts. And so um, I want you guys to hear about the story. I want you to know why Sharon thought about this business. And 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 Sharon, let's be honest. Like since you've done your thing. We have had an explosion of copycat waves. We've had an explosion in the VA industry. We've had an explosion of having different people outside our walls, working inside our walls. And like, Sharon, before 2010, that wasn't a common thing. Like that wasn't common. And now it's like a common thing. Most of our staff is working outside of our walls now. But before I get onto that, are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user? Am I an iPhone user? Are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user? Oh, I'm an iPhone user. Oh, yeah. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm an iPhone user. Wah, wah, wah. Well, what's the last app you downloaded, Sharon? Um, the last app? Well, I just got myself a new iPhone 12, so I've been too busy just figuring that one out and not downloading a new app right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I got a friend that's got the 12, and she absolutely loves it. So. Yeah. No, no, I love it, but it's very little. It's got. It's a little getting used to because when you get a call, I can't just click on speaker on my iPhone. It comes up with a menu. <laughs> so it's a two step instead of a one step, and like the anyway. But it's gotcha. But it's and also it's weird because it's now on a, a the five G. So yeah. when you're in your home, if you have a five G wireless, you won't get the bars for. I use Verizon. Because you then end up making just a Wi-Fi calls. It takes the Wi-Fi takes over the you know the um, gotcha cellular, the cellular service. So I was thinking, oh my God, it's not working at home anymore. I have to have my Wi-Fi on. I spent hours trying to figure that out till I called them. They said, no, no, that's the way it works now. So. Wow, interesting. Okay, yeah. okay. Do you love to win or do you hate to lose, Sharon? Oh, I, I love to win. <laughs> Of course. You love to uh, win? Loser also, but I not like some people, but I love to yeah. win. Yeah. You're you're tough too. People don't realize that. You're tough. You don't put up with any shit either. So so what would you say? You love to win or you hate to lose more? Um oh um I love to win. You do? That, mm -hmm. that, that's that that's you. That seems mm -hmm. to be you. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, there's two things in life we say here at uh, Agents Influence that that has brought you to where you are. One's luck, one's skill. If I had to talk about you and you had to say which one of those has probably been a bigger influence in your life and why, skill or luck? Oh, I, I say definitely skill. I don't even, I don't think there's anything as luck. I think people create the luck that they have. If you don't go out there, if you're not out there networking, meeting people, then you miss opportunities. So um, people say, oh, you're lucky. No, I say the one person didn't get out the door and go to this meeting, they didn't get the business because another person did. So. That's right. Good. I like that. <laughs> she lays a little context to it. I love that. I love that. That's why we love Sharon. Sharon, um, give us a little history. Take us back to, you know, your starts in the in the industry whenever and bring us forward in like two or three minutes so that we kind of get, we can relate to your history and your past of this great industry. Okay. Well, I came to the industry in the 1980s, early 1980s. Um, mm -hmm. I was a professor at Rutgers. Um, I then got involved with doing um, management consulting, um, then eventually start, left teaching and became an actual management consultant and became one to insurance brokers. <laughs> um, and I learned the insurance industry by, at the time it was the advent of computerization and um, 
Um, brokers were getting computers put into their office, dump terminals that went up to the carrier. They didn't know how to write procedures and stuff. So I, I got involved, learned the industry, and then was encouraged um, by a few amazing carriers uh, like Chubb. Back then it was Aetna before Travelers acquired the PNC side. Um, some old names like Home Insurance, Public Service Mutual. Uh, Don't mean much to me, but there's loyal listeners listening going, I know exactly what she's talking about. Right, right. How many of them have bitten the dust? Um, <laughs> but true. anyway, they you know they um, encouraged me because they, they understood the work I was doing and how I was helping their brokers to maybe open up my own insurance brokerage because there weren't any really women insurance own, agency owners. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought that's a better idea than billing only hours. I could actually, you know, have a business and make more money. Um, right. And so they encouraged me. I wrote a business plan, which they thought was they hadn't seen before, and, uh, of, of attacking the middle market and being a, like a risk manager to larger, you know, middle market companies. And and so I started my own insurance brokerage. And um, when was that roughly? That was in 1988. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I grew to quite a large brokerage in Manhattan. And then I merged with CBS Coverage Group in 2003. Um, but in between all that time, I became very active in the industry. Um, I um, ended up being the chair of the Independent Insurance Agents and Brokers of New York. Mm -hmm. um, I was on the board for almost 10 years, um, then became chair. I also became the industry's um, terrorism because I was in downtown Manhattan, um, right facing the World Trade Center when 9-11 happened. And I was I didn't insure a lot of um, contractors, so I understood the issue with uh, having a terrorism backstop. And so I was asked to, by the big eye, to testify um, before Congress, before the committee, the Finance Committee on the backstop. So I uh, oh. testified. I... Uh, lobbied for the industry. I won an award for doing that. The first woman to win a national award for for um, for public um, policy. And then I also, because I was, I was also on the board of the Agents Council for Technology because I was very um, advanced in, in my background in technology. Um, and uh, so all these experiences and, and being on the, the chair of the board, being on ACT. Everyone's saying, oh, my God, we're an aging population. Our brain, we're going to have this huge brain drain. What are we going to do? Oh, my goodness. Young people aren't coming into the business like you did, but Jason, but a lot of young people were not. That's right. And they're still having an issue. If you take a look at the statistics, few, few young people coming out of graduating today are interested in the insurance industry. Mm -hmm. So the all the, you know, I was so aware of all this and being a the first iPhone that came out, I bought <laughs> In 2007, everyone thinks it was here forever, but the iPhone came out in 2007. Seven, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And then, um, so I, I was constantly thinking of there's got to be a way that, because being on the board, the brokers would come to us and say, help us find people. We're all fighting over the same people. Um, it was a big, big deal. So I kept it. For every problem, there's an opportunity. Every problem is a solution. And I kept thinking, you know, we got there's got to be a solution to this problem. Um, so, um, I also understood because I had worked on a project with Frontier Insurance Company of managing the back offices for brokers and trying to create a call center for managing them, that it was very difficult because an Avaya system, a call center kind of system was hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to set people up to work. It was almost impossible to set people to work from home without spending exorbitant sums of money. 
But then after 2007, about 2008, VoIP, voiceover, and begin to, there, there was this new um, concept of VoIP, but it wasn't perfected. It was very flaky. It didn't work well. But by 2009, VoIP became perfected. And I said, wow, now you can actually have people work from home or plug a phone into their router and, and not have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on an expensive call center um, system. Um, and so all these things were floating around in my mind. And then one morning I woke up in the early, late 2009, thinking, I know what we can do. Why not capture all our, our pre-tiring boomers in our industry, qualify their skills at a very granular level, and then, you know, they, they want and set them up to work from home and contract them out to insurance brokers all over the country who can't find the talent because you can't always find the talent in your backyard any longer. I mean, people move all the time and there's not enough talent. What you do is you hire the person because you need somebody, but it's not the right person because that's the only access you have. So that's so one morning I woke up with that idea and I said, ha, well, maybe that'll work. Let me see what, what I called it. I say, what, what could I call it? You know, not, not dead yet, not over the hill. You know? Not dead yet. Yeah, you know, you know <laughs> I could think, you know, uh, not kaput, you know, <laughs> you know. Um, so, and I, I didn't like the idea, you know, everyone's people think that pe- older people aren't as capable, they're not as productive, they're not as technologically savvy, <laughs> but it turns out that's all not true because they worked in the office and they did all the work in the office and now they're retired. They didn't forget it the next day. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Very good point. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. And still doing the same thing, just with different technology to make it happen. You're exactly right. And I love it. My buddy, um, you know, as you said, they used to back, we don't really say it as much anymore. Like, oh, well, they're a young person. They're good with the technology versus uh, 10 years ago. That was a very common thing. I mean, everybody. And, and Hanley came up with the uh, thing that's called the connected versus the unconnected generation, right? It didn't necessarily, he, he, he skewed the lines and the thoughts of it has nothing to do with age. It has to do with those who use technology and don't, and those who don't eventually will, right? And, and that was such a refreshing um, insight because I think there were a lot of veteran agents who were kind of like, hey, I'm tired of being the person that's supposedly the old person that doesn't know technology, yet I know how to use it better than most 30-year-olds, right? And I think it was that concept that made Ryan go, wait a minute, this has nothing to do with age. This has to do with if you're connected or not, you know? Absolutely. Once the iPhone came out by 2009, people were FaceTiming. Already had grandparents the kids were sending them iPhones so they could FaceTime their grandchildren. Right. Up to 2009. So, mm-hmm. you know, the people were really ready, understood that remote technology was really working. And now it's, so anyway, we were so ahead of our time because we became a totally virtual company. Everyone yep. works from home. Even, you know, originally I had a little office, but I gave that up years ago because I hired my own people all across the country. So, you know, we've grown, we have an internal staff now of 43. And we have 550, we call them waves, working from home for brokers in Canada country. Yeah. Yeah. Holy moly, holy yeah. moly. So you guys can go to Google and you can search WAVE, W-A-H-V-E, and then put in Jason Cass and you'll actually see some videos. They pop up all the time for me of videos that I did with Sharon um, in a, a conference room. Were we in Colorado? Or? Could be, yeah. Because we were in Colorado, but I don't think it was there. But we were in Colorado at um, 
at uh, Brand Camp. Remember that? Right. 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 That was really awesome. You and I had a great conversation um, having some cold, refreshing drinks that night. And we were on a kick as to renaming the um, positions in the industry. We were talking about how stupid we thought it was that people are called producers, right? And so like you and I were on this kick that we wanted to reinvent the names of who CSRs were and all this stuff like that. That's why I always thought that you're really, really cool. So, you know. And your husband's a professor. Am I right about that? Or now, yeah, he's retired. He's retired now. He's a retired yeah. professor. Yes, he's a uh, well-known cultural anthropologist. He's written eight books. He's an expert on manhood, misogyny, and monsters. He says, and they're all related. <laughs> wow, he's an expert on what? Misogyny, which is you know male um, treating mm-hmm. women, um, manhood, because he's a cultural anthropologist. The evolution of manhood and monsters. So about carnival and monsters, wow. and all the dragons and all the fantasies of dragons and, and yeah. Wow. I like to watch monster movies. They're all related to manhood. <laughs> wow, that is interesting. Yeah. Right? Intellectuals, I mean, just blow my mind the way that you guys think. That is fantastic. Sharon, um, so since we've been together, since I mean Wave is now coming to five hundred and fifty some people, I mean it's it's blowing up. It's uh it's something that um I don't hear talked about as much as the VA companies, but I also think that that's part of your of your plan. I believe that a VA, I had a wave, all, all you uh, at the time, Lori Hanojos, who actually retired from my agency, um, was a was a wave. Um, and if you're a longtime loyal listener, you remember Lori. Um, and that's how we kind of got together. And I thought that it was a great thing because I got sent some information, um, a couple sheets said, fill this out. What kind of management system do you use? Are you personal lines, commercial lines? What are you expecting for the person? Do they have to use technology? Whatever. I can't remember what it was back then. This back like in 2011 or something like that's that. Right. It was a year after I started. So it's paper. It was a fillable PDF. It's no more yeah. than that. I have no. very sophisticated software. I bet you do. That's what I'm saying. Hours on creating a blind qualifying process. Ooh, so tell me, so, so, so before I would get a couple of pieces of paper, I would fill out what my requirements, I would send it back. You guys would put it in some machine and say, Jason, here's some qualified people. How's it go now? Well, how it goes now is you go online. First off, you're a, um, a retiring um, employee. You go online and you apply. There's a preliminary profile that you fill out. And then there's an application that you fill it out online. Um, a few easy questions because, you know, our demographic is for people retiring. So you have to be over 50. So we ask preliminary, like, how many years have you been working? So have worked less than 25 years, the likelihood is you're younger than 50. So we ask you know, key questions to first, and then, then we call you, we interview you to see if this is the right, you know, sort of fit. Then you fill out a very granular online application with skills tables. Um, we ask all nine different skills categories, even the technology you know, any languages you know. If you're an expert, like say in oil and gas or in... Um, protection and then you have to fill out a skills table that tells us how many years you use the skill the last time you use the skill whether you're an expert intermediate or beginner in that skill then we have assessments you have to take not just technology assessments how you navigate the internet how your typing skills your math and english skills but we also created our own insurance insurance knowledge assessments by line of coverage online so they have to take a series of assessments online as well. 
Um, and then we also, so we check reference checks. So it's very, very granular. Wow. It's yeah, a long time. It takes about a month for an applicant to get through the process and be qualified because when you're working from home and we're saying that you're an expert, we really need to make sure you're an expert and we never see anyone. We, it's all done virtually. So we're not influenced by how somebody looks, race, color, male, female. That's why it's like blind qualifying process. Then on the other hand, we have for the, for the client, for the broker, they go online and they fill out a job request that's also online, the same skills tables. And they also have to tell us if, they, if it's okay if they're a beginner, an intermediate, or an expert. And then we have algorithms that, so we also ask culture, we ask all kinds of questions, um, characteristics, what, what's the kind of person you want. Wow, Match them all. This is great. Yeah. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I N T E L L dot com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, recruiting, recreating, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel cast certified. I mean, so you're taking away a lot. I'm telling you right now, Travis and I are hiring a senior account manager in about 12 months. um, And we're really stressed out about this. Like we don't need a CSR. We don't, we need a high qualified person who understands nonprofits and understands um, that because that's what we do. We deal with bigger clients. We need somebody who's very professional. Really, I would like to, I don't, I would like to have somebody that has 15 to 20 years experience so that there's a lot of things they can actually teach me in this, in this thing. I mean, I've only been doing it for 10 years in that specific niche. And I'm looking at the cost that I'm going to have to pay in my head to get that kind of person. And I already kind of know some of your costs from the past, which I'm just doing the quick math here. And I'm thinking to myself, this podcast we're doing, I'm going to make sure that Travis listens to this part, my business partner, because I I didn't shame on me, Sharon, but I really didn't think of that as being an option. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about getting a headhunter and all kinds oh, of stuff. We don't need, yeah. <laughs> no, and, and especially I like what you said. Like if they if if you would be able to find me someone that's like, hey, Jason, this one has this person has dealt in the nonprofit industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would just like fall over backwards. Well, we right? have them. Trust me, we qualify. Oh, I bet you do. Every so since you first started, what we've built. No, oh my gosh! Not only that, what we've done with this software, it has become so sophisticated. I'm now in another iteration. 
where we're making it, it's called a blind qualifying process that takes away. So we're creating software that going forward, you can out you, a software as a service, a SaaS model. Yeah. Because we can now qualify the best people and take all that HR function off the brokers. And you can put out your job ad, but it'll come through our filter. They'll have to fill out our granular application, wow. our assessments. And we will then give you back the best candidates and, and therefore it'll be to, and, uh, the best candidates that would fit your brokerage. So even if, let's say, forget retirees, what we do, wait, give you a retiree, lower cost, higher expertise. But to fill any slot in your agency, whether it's accounting, HR, because we now have all across the industry, we're in accounting, HR, every kind of job in the industry, so that we could feel you can then use our software to, to do all the recruiting. We would do all the recruiting. Everything does gets done through our software so that you reduce turnover because you get the best talent that we'll give you. And then you've interviewed, you interview and decide which one you want to hire, but you know, you're getting the best. Wow. So I can even find the people and send them to you and you guys do all the scrubbing. The job ad and they'll come through this out of the software. So you get them at the back end. In other words, all you have to do is Sharon, you are so damn smart. I am telling you what thank God people gave you us I mean in this industry. I'm telling you, you just took something so simple. It really was. It was like a two page form. I mean, just fill it out, you know. I don't even know if it was fillable. Well, I got it. That sucker. At that point, <laughs> I may have to written it out with the ink, you know, and then uh, and figured it and, and probably faxed it back to you. No, I'm joking. We I didn't have fax machine in 2011. Right. But anyways, um, it so it back, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I mean, well, right, when I first started, one of the questions was, do you do upfront scanning? Do you have? You know, are you paperless? I I don't even long ask that question anymore. I've had to take so many questions off because nobody does that. You know? <laughs> That's right. And, and, and if they say no, it's like a non-negotiable. It's like right. Oh, if they probably- do upfront scanning, I can't work with you then. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've had a business since 2010, and think about this: I have not owned a fax machine. I, I, I've never had a fax machine. Like in my business, people are like, oh, how long have you been in the industry? Oh, I've been in 20 years. I've never used fax machine because I've never owned one in the last 10 years. Right. That's that's probably mind boggling to see, even if some loyal listeners listening to this right now, they're like, Cass, how are you not doing the fax thing? But uh, no, uh, it's, uh, and what's amazing is, is we used to give that out as an option for service requests. Right. And we would say, hey, we have email or we have a fax number because we don't have a fax machine, but we had a fax number. Right. And most people would say, I'll take the fax in the last year or two, I've talked to my staff about this. More people will say, give me the email address. Right. And so now we've just kind of stopped offering the fax number and it's just service at tinsuranceaid.com if you want to make a service request, you know? Why would you need a fax anymore? I take my iPhone and I can, I can scan and take a picture and send it right from my iPhone. I mean, so you don't need a fax Sharon, anymore. Sharon, there's people that are watching, the, are listening to this, thinking to themselves, how dare Jason not have a fax machine? But at the same time, they won't take a picture of a phone on a, on a, on a camera and, and send it at the same time. So they think one is the other and one is the other. And that's okay, but it's going to be hard, hard to compete in this world um, because that's what people do, right? Yeah. Uh, look at the, what's transformed. I mean, we were ahead of the game on remote work. So we've been when we first started, we had to convince brokers that people could be and the right person, the right person with experience and a work ethic could be very productive working from home. Now, because of COVID, now everybody's working from home. Aha, all of a sudden, everyone's realizing that wasn't such a bad idea. People really can be productive. Not only that, when people got to work from home, you learned. It was always amazing to me that because I had a big staff, you know, with my my brokerage. And we all knew who was more productive than everyone else. But nobody ever talked about it. 
right? No one looked at the reports. The, the person was nice, a good person. You didn't make, but now when everyone's working from home, all of a sudden, a lot of people began to see who are not productive and who is productive. That's right. That's <laughs> right. They had to look at their reports because they weren't in the office schmoozing. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you this, Sharon, you're getting ready to see explosion of growth because here's what I see happen. A lot of these people are not – there's there's a lot of work at, people working at home right now that are like, I can't wait to go back to the office. And when they find out that they don't go back to the office, they're going to go find jobs to where they can go to the office, which is now going to leave a spot where they're going to call you and say, hey, I've got these 10 positions now that people don't want to do at home. I need 10 work-at-home employees because I guarantee you, you're going to see that a lot. You're going to really, really see it a lot. Um, and and so, and, and it does, I've talked about this before, so I don't want to hit on it, but there's a lot of things that have to be learned into um, the, the, the working at home. Some people are in abusive situations. Some people are in situations where they, they can't concentrate. Some people are in situations where they have to take care of somebody else. And so that was their refuge for eight hours was to go to work. Right. And, and, and then sometimes people just aren't good at it. We, um, yeah, uh, because somebody may be listening. But yes, we have run into that. We we have a, a, a staff that uh, is very, very good working from home. Um, but we have one or two members that we have to have them work in. And they will be the first to tell you that they do work better in the office. Right. And one of the reasons is, is because of the kids. Right. The kids are just, it's just hard, especially when they're little. That little four-year-old does not understand that they can't walk in the door all the time, even if dad or mom is watching them, right? Right. I used to work in the basement of my home. I figured I, I know what they're talking about. Right. So, so anyways, I think there's an explosion in growth there. So Sharon, um, anything else that you see in the industry, you see in the future, you've been here since the eighties, you're very futuristic, very forward thinking. Where do you think we're going? Anything, any thoughts that you have or about where your business is going into the future? Well, well, I think the industry, because it's, it's such a knowledge intense industry that I think people don't ever need to worry that there won't be jobs for them, even with AI. I mean, AI will streamline the process, but you're going to still need a, a, a human being who has judgment, who's understood, you know, underwriting, underst understands risks and look at the options that AI gives them and makes the best decision um, because there will always be options that AI will come up with. Um, mm -hmm. And so um, I think the industry because of and, and that's why it's a good industry where people can work remotely because it is knowledge industry. And you, you know, you can do knowledge from anywhere. You don't have to be, mm -hmm. a, you know, you're not a service industry. You have to be in a store, you know, or a restaurant or you're not in a manufacturing plant. You're, so um, so it's an industry that lends itself to to being remote. Um, but also it lends itself to, because it is knowledge, it, it's, it's a more secure place. Where, that's why I don't know why young people don't come into this industry, because it's really quite secure. Not an industry that survives economic term, turmoil. I mean, in a, um, it's, it's, it doesn't matter. Even if the economy tanks a bit, you, everyone still needs insurance. It's an industry that has such, such security to it. Such security. Yeah. Such security. Such security. My loyal listeners get tired of hearing me say it, but I do. I'm building a business that I never thought that I'd build. It's taken me places I never thought I'd go, and I'm doing things I never thought that I'd do. You know, I have a flexible schedule. I have financial freedom. I can, I'm a contributor to my community. I get to build an empire. I get to mentor others. Um, I mean, come on. I, I cannot figure out why I cannot get people to really like this. What is amazing is it seems like people who come into this industry in around their 30s, they're in love with it. You know what I mean? It's something that's just about in our brain. I don't know when we're in our young 20s that like we just 
think maybe we know everything so much. And then finally, when our brain so settles down, maybe in our late 20s, early 30s, we're like, oh, yeah, actually, this sounds really good. I just did a podcast with a guy who was told to get into pot, to insurance and he tried it a couple times in his 20s and he hated it because his family was into it. But finally, in his 30s, he says, I don't know what it was. One day I was talking to this other guy about it and I started looking at it and started studying it. And I realized it was the most fascinating thing in the world. He's like, but 10 years before, I couldn't have done it to save my life. I don't know what it is. Yeah, well, I, I, what I think it is is because everyone, when you talk about insurance as an industry, everyone thinks of insurance as a policy, an insurance policy. <laughs> okay, insurance is not just about a policy. And so everyone thinks of a policy, having a claim, oh, the carriers don't pay claims. They don't understand that it's really about managing risk. The industry is about analyzing and managing risk, both for businesses and for people. Um, mm -hmm. And so it, it's not just the policy is the end game, but it's not. But it, it's not the whole part of the business. So, um, so the problem is insurance to most people means a policy. It doesn't mean risk management. It doesn't mean having to understand a financial statement to protect people's exposures. You need to understand so many different coverages. It's it's quite a sophisticated business. But mm -hmm. it's not presented that way. So um, the language, the the language needs to change, and how we talk about insurance needs to change. It's more about managing risk. It is. It is. And I like what you said. I never thought of that. They think of it as the policy. They think of that claim time. They don't realize that it's managing risk. They also don't realize that we just have a lot of fun. <laughs> we don't, we also don't realize that we are a community. That's right. Like you have to admit, this, this industry has become way bigger of a community. And, and I haven't. I've only been in it for the last 10, 15, 20 years. But I think our community that we have, like we're brothers and sisters in this industry. And I think it always has been, but it was con it was through associations, right? So someone in New York Association may not have just this great relationship with someone because they're in the Texas Association and we associated kind of with our states and then on a national level a little bit. But today with technology and so many different forums and groups and everything, it's like we all know each other now. Oh, and it's absolutely. one of the... I Isn't loved, it? Yeah, what I loved is, I mean, even going to the, all the conventions, uh, the conferences, it, all the user groups, me, I have made friends all across this industry who I love, mm -hmm. become buddies forever. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a really warm, wonderful community of peers. Um, and I'm now with COVID, I miss I miss not seeing my friends. Not that broker, my, my clients were like my children. I mean, I love my clients. I mean, I my agency... You know, CBS was so uh, was acquired um, about t um, eight years ago. Um, but I still keep in touch with some of my, you know, clients. Mm -hmm. I, I made sure whoever took over for me had been working with, with me and them for a number of years so I could pass the baton when they loved the person who took over for me. You know, so I, I made sure that would happen. But they were like, even they, my kids still remember them. They talk about my kids or our kids, their kids. It's, it's uh, when you do the right thing. Your community is not just the insurance community, but your clients become part of that community too. They would ask me what's happening in the industry. We, we would have great conversations. So it's a wonderful you know, um, industry because you help people, you protect their risk. I mean, we hear it all the time when we interview retirees and we say, they say, oh my, when we, we did a whole um, in, um, uh, research project about what people think about you know, their industry, they say they love this industry. They felt like, that they help people, they love their clients, they love their underwriters, they loved everybody they talked to, and they felt like they had purpose. The insurance right. industry has purpose. A lot of jobs don't have purpose like the industry they has. They don't. Yeah, they don't. Very special also because we definitely have purpose. 
purpose. I love that. That is true. Sharon, on the last thing I want to wrap up before I ask you my last two questions, there was something you always told me and I forgot it. You told me this one time about in you are named after an area in Israel. Am I correct about that? God, this was a long time ago. Yes, so I don't want to you remember that story. <laughs> I, I do. I, I really, really like that story. What is it? It's the It's the Valley of Sharon. Emek Emek in Hebrew means valley, right? Right. That's right. That's right. And then there's an area in, in there called the area of Sharon. Say that again oh, so I don't butcher. Yeah, it is. It's called um, Emek Hasharon. It's the Valley of Sharon. Yeah. Wow. And so Sharon Emek, I, I just, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I really, you told me that I get, I get excited off dumb things like that, but that's not dumb. But to me, it's yeah. just like, it's one of those things. It's like, Jason, it's not that big of a deal. No, it's really cool to me. So, <laughs> it is cool. Since um, I, yeah. Especially since it's, I chose the name. <laughs> Yeah. And I saw this area of Sharon type thing on a map one time and I'm like trying to explain to people and I'm butchering the story of how it's all going. But anyway, so I just, I thought it was, I thought it was yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah. Sharon, I, um, I greatly appreciate it. Last two questions I get. Um, I want to know what you're reading and what you're watching. I mean, leaders are readers and readers are leaders and I know you're a leader, so you must be a reader. What exactly are you reading or what's a book you want everybody to know? Oh, wow. I <laughs> Well, um, a book that everyone I thought thinks should read is, it's hard to read, but it's an amazing book. It's by Sapien by um, Yuval Harari. Um, um, it's Sapien? Sapien, yeah. It's about how, it's about human beings. So it's about sapiens. Yeah. yeah. Um, but right now, and I read that a little while ago, but it's a, a very significant book. Um, but right now I'm reading, um, it's a book about this, um, two two different books. One is about the I, the um, the IRA and the Irish. What happened in the nineteen seventies, eighties, and nineties about well. Ireland um, in the no Northern Ireland? We you know with the IRA and Sinn Fein and and the and the, and the British, um, um, and that's really interesting. It's amazing the the story how over religion how many people have died <laughs> in modern times in some place like Northern Ireland. Um, which is really amazing um, yeah. to, to read about. Um, very sad. Um, and how many innocent people died for nothing. Um, and then this other book I'm reading is about, um, I can't remember, sorry, I'm not always remembering the titles. Um, it's yeah, about a, 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 um, a school for boys who, who uh, back in the um, early 1900s, a school for boys in Florida, that if they got in trouble, they were sent there. And it's a true, based, it's a novel based on a true story and how those boys were abused. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a novel based oh. on a true story. And, um, um, and it's basically, basically about a black, a, you know, a black boy who gets sent there. And then you hear the whole story between how the whites and the black boys were both obviously abused, but how the difference in their conditions were and how, you know, the, right. how they were treated so differently um, even though they were all abused, but they were still treated, didn't get the same food. They didn't, they stayed in dirtier places. You know, it was like, so right. interesting novel. That's also a great read about those situations. I mean, we're learning today how many situations like that existed back then that wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't be tolerated today. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Shows your intellect. It's, it's fantastic. If you ever get a chance to speak with Sharon Emick, you definitely should. Now, Sharon, a lot of people say they don't watch TV, and I get it. We probably don't watch TV as much as we do, but we all have these little kicks on Netflix. Sometimes we spend our time on Amazon yeah. or Amazon Prime. You know, sometimes maybe it's just you and the husband, your boo, and you're watching Hulu. 
What are you uh, What are you watching out there? What's something that you've watched that uh, you want people to know about? Oh, uh, something that she was. Well, watch the Queen's Gambit. Um, um, no, I'm going to watch the Queen's Gambit. I'm supposed. Yes, that's something on my list right now. You email me when you do because yeah. it's phenomenal. Yeah, I hear that. There's another one um, called a. Um, it's on um, Acorn. It's a place to call home. It's British. Um, okay. You have to go. It's uh, you go on to Amazon Prime, and then you have to add Acorn to it, which is the British, um, the European, you know, stations, and then look up. A, oh wow! I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, they have some. You know, Britain comes out with some amazing comedies and amazing shows. So this is a way to get to their shows. Right. Yeah. No, we don't watch their stuff. They watch ours. <laughs> no, no, they I do, but they also have. You no, know, they had Monty Python. Excuse me. my goodness gracious Sharon thank you very much for your time I really greatly do appreciate it and if anybody wants to reach out to you they can find you on LinkedIn yep yes they can and she's and she will not ignore you. I promise. She doesn't have. Uh, she doesn't pay somebody to sit there and answer her message. She no. does it right there. Sharon Emick. Now, are, were you founder or co-founder? I'm a founder of it. You're the founder, mm-hmm. and um, and you have you have a great team and you have some awesome things. This is really really crazy that this ended up being a podcast because I think this is actually going to help me in 12 months. So this is really really exciting. I'm excited to tell Travis about this because it's a big stress of ours. Yeah. We're really looking for like a high oh, caliber. Yeah. We have we have a lot of people who have a nonprofit background. Yeah. Yeah, and we're thinking we're going to have to steal somebody from another agency, and we get along with all the agencies around here. You know what That's I mean? Right. So That's the problem. That's yeah, the problem. it's so anyways okay thank you very much sharon appreciate your time this has been jason cast with agents influence podcast where you tell me your thoughts tell me your ideas and i'm going to tell the world what you have to say this has been Cass. she's emic we're out